Live from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Silver and Black Today, your daily dose of all things Las Vegas Raiders football. News, views, guests, and your phone calls are all part of the game plan. There's only one nation, and it listens here. Now your host, Scott Colbranson. My friends, my friends, my friends, welcome back to Silver and Black Today, live from the Raiders Worldwide Headquarters in Henderson, Nevada, and on the airwaves on Raider Nation Radio 920 here in Las Vegas, the capital of Raider Nation. Hi, everybody. It's Scott Branson. Thanks for being with me. We are out here in Henderson, and we are ready to rock and roll on a Tuesday. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling like, ah, oh, it's only Tuesday, get up. Let's go. Let's talk football. As always, our show is powered by our good friends, Sam and Ash, the injury attorneys. Call them anytime, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Also, you deserve to be heard. I want to hear from all of you. Call me, 702-365-9200 is the number to get through on to Raider Nation Radio listener hotline, where we'll take your calls, whatever you want to talk about today. Of course, breaking news this afternoon, we just want to pass along, if you haven't heard yet, Tiger Woods was involved in a serious car accident on Monday morning in California. He had to be extracted from his vehicle with the jaws of life. He does not, repeat, does not have life-threatening injuries, but he has multiple leg injuries, according to his agent, Mark Steinberg. uh, And reports say that emergency personnel responded to a rollover crash at about 7.12 a.m. Pacific time in Rancho Palos Verdes, California. And the initial report of the scene indicated that possibly two broken legs and other injuries. They are, again, not life-threatening, but his agent released the following statement, quote, Tiger Woods was in a single-car accident this morning in California where he suffered multiple leg injuries. He is currently in surgery, and we thank you for your privacy and support. According to the Sheriff's Department, this is all from ESPN, the single vehicle rollover traffic collision occurred on the border of the Rolling Hills Estates and Rancho Palos Verdes. The vehicle sustained major damage and he was taken to Harbor, excuse me, Harbor UCLA Medical Center in Los Angeles. So uh, our thoughts, prayers go out to Tiger Woods, obviously uh, one, a huge, huge figure in the world of sports and of course the world of golf. And I know a lot of Raider fans are Tiger Woods fans because Tiger Woods is a member of Raider Nation, big Raiders fan. He's talked about it many, many times. So we're sending out our our best thoughts for him. He is in surgery. Uh, What it will do for his career, we don't know yet. But the good news is they are not life-threatening injuries for Tiger Woods. So that's a big relief in the world of sports today. Uh, Coming up on the show, we got a lot of guests uh, and information for you today. At 2.30, as we always do on Tuesday, my good friend Jesse Merrick from News 3 Las Vegas will be with us. We're going to talk to him about what we've been focusing on this week so far, and that really is Raiders free agency. Who will they target? Who might be good fits for the Raiders? Hondo Carpenter and I talked about it yesterday. We're going to continue that conversation with Jesse, get his point of view from a guy who covers the team every day uh, here in Las Vegas, so we'll get that. We'll also talk to Jesse. We'll divert a little bit because, you know, hey, it's, it's not even March yet. 
the, the new league year starts in a few weeks. It's a little slow news-wise, right? Yeah, there's some player movement here and there, and you're hearing rumors of all that. But we also do sports here, and this is a Las Vegas radio station. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Golden Knights of the NHL with Jesse Merrick. Jesse was up uh, with Brian Salmon from News 3, F, uh, News 3 uh, Las Vegas up in Lake Tahoe for the outdoor game that, of course, had its problems and had to be delayed uh, during the day on Saturday to the evening because of the sunshine up there was messing with the ice. It was unsafe playing conditions. They finally got it straightened out, renewed the game at 9 p.m. on Saturday, which the Golden Knights dropped to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Of course, the Knights came back last night and beat the Avalanche 3 to nothing as the king of donuts, Marc-Andre Fleury, in goal. Boy, you got to love that story. They were ready to get rid of him. After last year's playoffs and all the bad blood between the Golden Knights and Marc-Andre Fleury's agent and all that stuff, that all that drama that happened, he's been spectacular. So we're going to talk to Jesse Merrick a little bit about hockey as well. Then at 3 o'clock, our good friend Brian Diardo from CBS Sports will join us. Brian did an interesting story on the AFC West. What are the needs in the conference division? What are what are the teams that the Raiders focus on two games per year in their own division? What are they all looking to do? What, we all know some of the situations with these teams. Denver still looking for a quarterback. Of course, Kansas City has what they have. They need an offensive line, a boost to their offensive line. So we're going to get Brian's take on that on the rest of the AFC West. We're also going to get from him – he did – Another great story he did last week, uh, or about a week and a half ago, actually, when the Hall of Fame induction was announced, and that is what are the best players from each team that should be in the Hall of Fame and are not. Now, the list of Raiders that should be in the Hall of Fame is long. We know that. But to me, now that Coach Flores got the due that he was deserving and that Coach Flores will go in with this current class, hallelujah, um, is the next one that Raider Nation needs to focus on. And there's a lot of guys out there that wore the silver and black that need to be there. They need to be in Canton. And I know all of you, all of you out there will not rest until they are. But the first guy up next is Cliff Branch. There's no question that 21 should be in the Hall of Fame. It is a complete travesty that Cliff Branch is not in the Hall of Fame. There is not one salient argument against Cliff Branch being in the Hall of Fame. I, 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 there's just none. You can't, no one can, can articulate why he's not in the Hall of Fame, okay, based on numbers and accomplishments. Cliff Branch. Three Super Bowls. I mean, you go down all the list. You compare them to people like Lynn Swan. Not even close. Not even close. And Lynn Swan's been in the Hall of Fame for quite a while. So we're going to talk to Brian because he, he wrote about Cliff Branch and that he is the one player that sticks out the most from the Raiders' past that should be in the Hall of Fame. So we'll talk to Brian about that as well. Then at the, top, at the bottom of the second hour, uh, my partner here on – Raider Nation Radio, my colleague Vinny Bonsignor, of course, he covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal as well as hosting in the huddle from 4 to 6 p.m. He's going to be here, too, as well. So we're going to talk to him a little bit as we do that. We'll be at the Raiders facility twice this week, today and on Thursday. And I got to tell you, I just love being in here. It's a beautiful studio. I tweeted out a picture of it again. Uh, and, and I can't tell you how fortunate I am to be able to come in here and do a couple shows. Um, and, and, and the fact that the organization 
uh, allows their flagship station to come on property, especially during the time of COVID. Now we're all tested. We've been tested all year long. Uh, I've not had one positive test, so that's a good story. Uh, but uh, just fantastic. And thanks to everybody here, including Alexandra here in the studio, who sets us up nicely. And she does a great job of getting us ready to get on the air, as well as Chris Chapman back in the studio. And of course, I want to talk to you guys. I want to just know what's on your mind. There's a lot of a lot of conversation around Raider Nation out there, around what should be done. We kind of I, I, I like to think we put the Derek Carr stuff to bed yesterday. And just talking about, yeah, maybe an extension coming up at some point, but really that's a moot point. We need to talk about the Raiders' defense. We need to talk about what they might do, what John Gruden and Mike Mayock might do to boost this roster, especially on the defense. They have, they have a lot of work to do, and I know they're busy doing it. And so I want to hear what the fans have to say. What do you think is the priority for the Raiders, and who is the priority? The bottom line is, a lot of the people who think that the Raiders' cap situation is terrible are not correct. They have a very manageable cap situation. They're going to have to make some tough choices, just like all of the teams in the NFL, to get down to the 180 to 185 um, salary cap. Okay, so, so a lot of big names are going to be put on the street because teams have to make choices. And the Raiders have to make some choices, too. We talked about Trent Brown, LaMarcus Joyner, some of those guys, Marcus Mariota. So I just want to hear from you, if you're the GM, if Mike Mayock calls you and says, hey, I want you to come in, I want you to make some decisions for me, which of course he would do, but let's just pretend. (laughs) Uh, What would you do? Who would you go get? I think the combination of, yeah, maybe a big name on defense, but then you need need other bodies too. You You need players who can come in, get the job done. They don't have to be rock star celebrities. They just have to be good football players that will play Raiders football. So I want to hear what you have to say. All right, we have a caller already. We have Raider 27, my man. What is going on on this Tuesday? Hey, how you doing, Scott? I'm doing good, brother. How about you? I'm fine. I'm great, man. I have, yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Um, first, there's no excuse for Cliff Branch not being in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think there's really a very good excuse for Jim Plunkett not being in the Hall of Fame either. Yep. yep. I mean, it's just ridiculous when you look at their numbers and compare them to other people that are in the hall. It's crazy that those guys are not in the hall of fame. It's just nuts. You know, I mean, Al Davis was even nice to Pete Rosell after he won the lawsuits. So I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think the point you just brought up last, I know you, I know you were joking, but at the same time, <laughs> I, you know, if you watched the, the Al Davis versus the NFL documentary, which was fantastic, which we saw just a few weeks ago, you know, you heard from from the NFL films and you heard uh, the, the, the narrative about how uh, current owner Mark Davis, Al Davis's son, had done such a great job of kind of mending some of those fences from the past, the perceived um, kind of rift between the Raiders organization and the NFL. Right. And so you, you think that that's kind of the, the hatchet's been buried, so to speak. They're in Las Vegas. Las Vegas wouldn't have happened if there was a really strong anti-Raiders bias still pervasive amongst uh, the NFL, its ownership and leadership. I, I, that's what I believe, at least. And so with that said, you would think that guys like Cliff Branch, guys like Jim Plunkett, and I agree with you on Plunkett. There's no reason. I mean, what he accomplished, especially after how his career started, had such promise. And then, of course, the, the situation with the Patriots and the 49ers didn't work out for him. And then he goes to Oakland. And Los Angeles and just goes crazy. Right. So so to me, 
that is that is a must too. I mean, I I put Cliff Branch first just because his numbers. And you're right, Raider twenty seven. His numbers are so overwhelming. You know, and and this isn't a guy who got in trouble off the field or anything. There's no there's no other reason uh, that he did something. This isn't you know a situation where Cliff Branch. I mean, Cliff Branch until the day he passed was an amazing, amazing ambassador. And I was fortunate enough to be around him a handful of times as he was getting ready for the team to come here to Las Vegas and do events here. He was the nicest human being. He spent time with fans, with kids. He would autograph anything they wanted to do. He was always there for the Raiders. And not only that, he was a great ambassador for the sport. Okay, just like Tom Flores has been. And so to me, there's no reason for him not to be in the Hall of Fame. And it really it it, it just pains my heart to know that he passed uh, without that honor because, you know, he he knew he deserved to be in there. The good news is when you when you did talk to him and I did talk to him, he was on our show a couple years ago and I'll have to repost that at some point. But when he was on our show a couple of Years ago, he said the reason why he wasn't in was because of Mr. Davis and and not because Mr. Davis. He didn't hold it against Mr. Davis. Of course not. But he felt as though it was just the, the same old, same old trying to keep the Raiders. At. Now, again, I think that has changed significantly from the past. So there's no reason for him not to be in. And I can't find any person, anyone. I don't care if they hate the Raiders. I can't find anybody who argues the other way, Raider 27. Yep, I agree. As far as um, uh, free agency goes, uh-huh. you know, we've talked. I talked about this before. You can go through the list of the guys that are free agents right now, and there's some really, really good players out there. But before, if I was, if it was my money, before I start spending any money, I would find out who's really out there. Yeah, and how how we can do contracts because a lot of these guys are suddenly unemployed unexpectedly. They might be really willing to say, "Oh, you know what? Let's let's make this contract a, 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 a signing bonus, and I'll play for the league minimum, and we can put this off a year or two." Thinking that, you know what? I I honestly yeah. think there's going to be a lot of one-year contracts. I don't think there's going to be a lot of multi-year contracts. If you do do a multi-year, con- if you do hide money like that, or, or you know, front-load a contract. You got to be really careful doing that. You do that for like a Derek Carr or a Waller or somebody that you right. don't think is going to just be gone. If you do it for someone and then they don't work out, it would it, it's a big risk doing that with free agents because that's how we got in this mess that we're in right. Well, we're not really in right now, but we're still coming out of is front loading all these contracts and signing all these big free agents and they didn't work out and they're gone. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're 54% of your salary cap is going to players that aren't with the team anymore. Yeah. No, so that's going to really avoid stuff like that, but it's a good way to do it. If there's someone that you kind of trust and know, like if Gus Bradley has a guy, Hey man, I know this guy, he's cool. We can front him. him. He's not going anywhere. He'll play. You know, then you know you could maybe do it, but if it's like some guy like Trent Brown that you know he's a mercenary, man, I, I just would be scared to death to do something like that with a player that you know has been with five different teams in four years. You know what I mean? 
Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think you know, there's, there's ways to, to, to sign players and, and save on the cap, right, which is including that money up front when you do signing bonuses and stuff like that. But this, the, the salary cap is a really interesting beast because in, – and in, in we've had a couple guests on in, in the last two weeks to talk about it because um, the way that – with the reduction in the salary cap due to COVID and the, and the loss of revenues and all that stuff, the players in essence took a loan from the owners. And so they're basically going to have to pay – I think it was like 600-some million million dollars back eventually when it comes to this. So so there's a lot of in- intricacies there that are happening and there's going to be a situation where uh, I think you're right. I think players are going to have to be really smart with the deals they sign as our teams. And to me, that's why I think if you're a Raiders fan out there and you're looking to see what this team does during free agency this offseason – don't expect them to go – I mean, they, 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 it wouldn't be prudent. It wouldn't be good business to go sign a bunch of big deals. What you want to do is you might go sign one big alpha dog on the defense, but then what you need to do is you need to find that second tier, maybe even third tier player – and, and that's not putting those players down. It's not like they're not contributors. I'm not talking about some of the players that haven't panned out with the Raiders. I'm talking about guys who can come in and play immediately and have an impact on that defense. And, and you do that for a time and you continue to build through the draft. You know, building through the draft and hitting on your draft picks is such a big deal. So I, I think that you're going to see a combination of that and you're going to see a situation where people be like, what? They signed that guy? And, and you can't get caught up in the names. You have to look at the production and the role-playing. Right now, the Raiders have two interior defensive linemen under contract. That's it. I applaud them for the David Irving signing. I think you know, him coming back after the year off, uh, it was going to take him time. I didn't expect a lot out of him last year, but I do like the young man. He's only 27 years old. I think he's got a massive, massive upside, and I think you'll see that. And then you have Mo Hurst there as well. So, so to me... You, you, you have some good players there with a new scheme with Gus Bradley coming in and that new mentality, as John Gruden said, we needed a new voice back there on defense as far as the coordinator goes, and that's what they're going to have. And I think you will see a difference. The cupboard is not bare. People seem to think that the cupboard is bare on the Raiders' defense. It's quite the opposite. They just need to get the most out of the players they have on the field. Raider 27, thanks for the call, man. We'll talk to you soon. We appreciate you. Um, by the way, also, too, I was looking up the, the strength of schedule since the schedule was finalized after the the Super Bowl. And what is it with the Raiders that it always seems like they have one of the more difficult schedules in the NFL? It doesn't matter what their record is, right? Uh, but the strength of schedule, and this is coming from EDS Football, uh, has the Raiders pegged at number seven, the seventh toughest schedule, has the Steelers at number one, Ravens two, Bears three, Lions four, Bengals five, Vikings six, and then the Raiders at seven. And then you go to the bottom, so the easiest schedules. The Cowboys, Buccaneers, and Eagles. Now, some of that, understand, is based on the rotating conference schedule. So whoever the Raiders are going to be playing in 2021, uh, and that rotates clearly with, with, with the schedule. So, so from that perspective, but the Raiders, again, top 10 uh, tough schedules. And I know, listen, it's, it's a point of discussion. If you have a good football team and you execute and, and your players perform as they should— then that's okay. Strength of schedule doesn't really matter. But it is interesting. So the Raiders have to go out and they have to address the needs they have, but they also are going to face some tough competition, right? And we know we know the Raiders' schedule next year, right? So we know some of those teams that they're going to play. Of course, you have the AFC West um, and and the teams in there with, obviously, Kansas City and, 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 and um, 
they're 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 the class of the division right now. I mean, I know that pains Raider fans to say, but they are, they still are. They coming off two straight Super Bowls. And so we'll have to see what happens when they get there. Uh but but to me, the strength of schedule is just an interesting point of discussion, especially when it's February and you're, and you're talking about next year because you're looking forward to football again. I mean, it kills me that there's no football. As much as I love the spring and I love summer and all that stuff, uh, and I know the NFL now is a 12-month business. I get it. But not having games just drives me nuts. And, of course, we lost. And I know how everybody feels about preseason games. But we didn't have camp, regular camp. We didn't have preseason games. And so we kind of got cheated last year because of COVID. And now we got to wait until August again until it pops up. But uh, hopefully we'll have some in-person camps and whatnot coming up that we'll cover as well up on our website, silverandblacktoday.com, and podcast and video as well. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens and, and what goes down. But I'm interested to hear what you think about that strength of schedule and what it means for the Raiders as well as – the free agency, and who you'd like to see the Raiders target. Is there anybody out there that we haven't talked about that you think would be a good fit? Because that's the thing. It's not being a good player, if somebody gets cut, does not mean that they're a good fit for the Raiders. It doesn't matter how talented they are. you got to look at system. you got to look at locker room. Like, what? who is a good Raider? Because there's some guys out there you could name. I know you can. That you just think, yeah, nah, that wouldn't work in the silver and black. It just wouldn't work. Uh, but we'll have to see. You guys tell me. We're going to take our first break when we come back. We'll get back to the phone. 702-365-9200 is the number. I want to hear who your free agent priorities for your Raiders are. And then we'll get to Jesse Merrick coming up at the bottom of the hour as well. You're here on Silver and Black today, live from the Raiders headquarters in Henderson, only on Raider Nation Radio. From Stabler to Plunkett and Allen to Jacobs, we've got your Raiders covered on Silver and Black today. Here are your hosts, Scott Colbranson and Q Myers. On a Tuesday, Silver and Black today, Scott Colbranson live from the Raiders headquarters in Henderson in the beautiful studios here. Just like the rest of the facility, uh, first class, amazing stuff. Um, I've, I've sent a text to my wife saying that I'm moving in here so that not to expect me home because <laughs> it's so nice. Uh, but here we are. We're back to Akron Raiders football. We're talking NFL football uh, and taking your calls at 702-365-9200. A special thanks to our sponsors, Sam and Ash, the injury attorneys. Check them out at Sam and Ash. Law.com. And by the way, yes, I have lots of energy, as I always do, because instead of lunch, I have a Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bar. You can check it out at drjensnutrition.com. It's great nutrition for the entire family, certified gluten-free, all natural ingredients. I mean, there's no more convenient snack or meal replacement that you can have any time of the day. It doesn't have any of those crappy artificial sweeteners like sugar alcohols. It's not going to blow you up like a balloon like some of that, that chemical stuff does. Superfoods like quinoa, kale, and spinach, high in antioxidants and they have great flavors. And that's the thing I'm going to tell you. It's not like eating a Nerf football. These protein bars are without a doubt, and I've tried a lot of them. And I'm not just saying that because of Dr. Jen's involvement here with Silver and Black today. These things are delicious. I, my kids eat them. I eat them. We enjoy them so, so much. And I invite you guys to do it. And we'll give you a special discount 
just for listening to the show. So if you go to drjensnutrition.com, use the code SBT10, and you get a special discount, plus they'll give you free shipping. So go order. Don't wait. And you can watch on our Twitter handle how many of you have ordered these and come back and said, oh, my gosh, they're delicious. And, and the, the telltale sign that a product really is good is when people order it multiple times. So I've seen listeners of this show out there just order it, and then every time they get a new order, they post a picture that, hey, I got my refills. So do that. Dr. Jen and Dr. Andrew and Aiden, their son, family-owned business. They are Raider Nation. They are fans of the Raiders. They are season ticket holders out at Allegiant Stadium. They are also season ticket holders of the Golden Knights. These are big sports fans. These are people that you will see at a Raiders tailgate in Las Vegas in the near future, and, and you should support them because they are Raider Nation, and I know how much the nation supports one another. So try out Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bars, and that's at drjensnutrition.com. You can also buy them locally. Like there's one right down the street from me here from the Raiders facility out at Vegas Discount Nutrition. You can buy them there. You can also go to Terrible Herbst convenience stores throughout the Las Vegas Valley, which is great because instead of rolling in there and buying cupcakes or donuts or a candy bar, just look for Dr. Jens when you're, when you're filling up your gas tank or you're waiting for the car to come out of the car wash at Terrible Herbst. Just grab a Dr. Jens. Yes, banana, chocolate, peanut butter. It, it'll blow your mind. I'm telling you. Good stuff. So thanks to Dr. Jen and the family uh, for their support of the show. 702-365-9200 is a number for you to get involved. Coming up in just a few minutes will be Jesse Merrick. Uh, and, and we talked about the Raiders cap situation. And I want to talk about the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> The New Orleans Saints, about $65 million, they somehow have to figure to trim and restructure. You have free agents like Jameis Winston, Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon Rankins, and then you have players that are nearing the end of their uh, rookie contracts, and they want their payday. They want, and I'm talking about Marshawn Lattimore, I'm talking about offensive tackle Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramzik. These guys... They all want like $20 million a year in their next contract. Some of them have already intimated they might hold out. So when you look at some of the other teams and the situations they're in around the league, it's tough. So the Raiders are in a very manageable situation, and I have every belief that they will manage that correctly. But there's a lot of teams that don't. And the Saints, uh, boy, they're in a tough spot. All right, we're going back out on the Raider Nation radio listener hotline and bringing in Raider Mike. Raider Mike, you're on with Scott here live from the Raiders headquarters in Henderson. What's going on, buddy? Long time no speak. Yeah, what's going Fort on? Fort Myers I, Beach. Fort Myers Beach. You're, you're all over the place, man. Uh, I'm, I was following a band called Lowercase Blues. They're incredible. Oh, nice. And uh, they let me guess sing and... And my daughter just turned 18, and so it, it's it's a good time, trust me. And it just turned into mayhem yesterday because <laughs> spring break just started oh. on the beach in the Gulf. So a lot of 20-year-old thongs. This is a good time here. <laughs> yeah, keep me as far away from that as possible, please. <laughs> you must be married. <laughs> yes, and I plan to stay that anyway, way. Anyway, it's been a few. Anyway, I just wanted to – I'm, I'm going to keep protecting and – riding D.C. like I have since the day we drafted him. Mm-hmm. Let's extend him. Let's just shut everybody up and move forward. Build the defense. Seven picks, all defense. Pull Leonard, pull Richard Sherman, and I think we'll be good to go. So get off the D.C. to whoever it is today, 
train because we're <laughs> sick of it. Uh, lastly, thoughts and prayers go out to Tiger Woods. Hopefully he gets to play again because, damn, he, uh, he's like Al David's thought process. His commitment to excellence is unbelievable. So, anyway, thoughts and prayers to that. And I'll call in a call in a couple of days. Hey, Mike, let me ask you this though, yeah. and and, and I I agree with you on focusing on the defense, uh, but I think there is some looming concerns and issues they have to address on the offense, and it's not a quarterback clearly, um, but the offensive line. Uh, I yeah, think they need. It's, I, it's, I especially if Richie doesn't come back. Right. Right. I, I so, think they. I think they need to use one of those draft picks, perhaps on on a tackle. I'm with you there, but at least sixty. I I can do. I'm with you on that. I, I have no problem with that. But okay, we good. definitely need to focus on the defense. Richard Sherman would be a great alpha dog in the room. He's won a ring. He can shine it in their face and say, do you want this or not? <laughs> Leonard Williams, same thing. No doubt. You don't have a ring, brother. And Leonard says he grew up a Raider. He wants to play for the Raiders. And he, he's going to demand some money. But I say we pay for it because him clogging up the middle will make – Littleton better, Kwiatkowski better, and Nick better. So anyway, yeah, that's just my thoughts. Um, great show, brother. Well, thank you, thank you, Raider Mike. I appreciate you, man. Safety uh, traveling, and uh, you'll have to record some of your guest vocals. Sometimes we'll put it on the air. <laughs> all right, Raider Mike. Always all over the country. I love it. I'm so jealous because. I've only been out of Nevada twice in the, in the past year, and it was go down to Arizona just on a quick trip with the family uh, just to get out of the house because we were going stir-crazy. But uh, uh, Raider Mike's always a good caller, and we appreciate him uh, taking the time out on the road to call in. All right, it's time to go out on the Newsmaker line, and we bring in our good friend from News 3 Las Vegas. You can follow him at Jesse News 3 LV. It is Jesse Merrick, fresh back from northern Nevada, Lake Tahoe to be specific. Jesse, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I've warmed up since coming back down from the snow up there, so I'm doing really well through the sunny weather down here. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, and and we'll, we'll we'll start off with that first, and then we'll we'll get your opinion on some of the Raider free agent talk. Uh, but so so as for those of you who follow the NHL, if you don't follow the NHL and you're just a Raider fan, and, and that's fine too. Obviously, the Golden Knights a huge deal here in Las Vegas still, uh, and they were up in Lake Tahoe this past Saturday to play the Colorado Avalanche um, outside next to Lake Tahoe in one of the most picturesque settings. I I think has ever been seen in the National Hockey League, uh, and they ran into an issue. They had a daytime game. The sun came out. It wasn't the heat. It was the UV rays that messed with the ice, and they had to delay the game after one period. The Golden Knights were already down one to nothing. First of all, Jesse, take us a little bit about just the environment, what it was like being out there, seeing this ice rink next to Lake Tahoe and the kayakers out there watching the game. What was it like? What was the experience for you and Brian over at News 3? Yeah, before the ice melted, it was incredible. I mean, you know, seeing the mountains, you know, there was one video that I tweeted out of showing the mountains and then panning over you know, to the rink behind me, and it was it was unbelievable just to see that setting. I mean, it's about 50 yards away from the waters of Lake Tahoe. You know, you're not going to find a better outdoor rink than that. And you mentioned the kayakers and people on boats and stuff. They're trying to catch a glimpse of it. That I thought was really cool to see. You know, they all had signs, and they were cheering. You know, they were Knights fans. There were actually some Sharks fans there saying anybody but the Knights. It was pretty funny <laughs> just to see the dynamic of that. 
somebody had a party boat out there and it was full of a bunch of Knights fans that were, you know, just hanging out, having fun. And, you know, and just seeing it all out there, you could tell the guys were excited to be there at practice. They were playing three-on-three. It's kind of a throwback to, like, their days as a kid playing on the ice, uh, you know, outside on the lake and things like that. So it was just really cool. You could tell that, you know, it was more about the experience of the game itself, even though it was a big game given the situation playing the outs and all that. But it was just a really cool experience, one that I'll definitely cherish for a long time. And then just the wildness of it all getting delayed and everything like that and seeing it at night, it felt like a, like a, like two different games uh, given the time frame and everything like that, but it was a lot of fun. Well, and I, th- I thought the NHL, I mean, listen, the NHL gets criticized for a lot of things and how the league does it and, of course, how Gary Bettman does it. I thought they handled it really well when the, when the ice became a safety issue for the players. They shut down the game, but they knew that once the sun went down, it would cool down. They wouldn't have to worry about the same issues. Um, did, did you walk away from that and, and talking to folks with the league that, that this, this type of situation, I mean, listen, I know usually they do the winter classic and they do it in big stadiums so there can be lots of spec there, but was there any sense that that it could come back to Lake Tahoe, or it could come back to a, an outdoor situation like this that's more picturesque and a little bit kind of cutting edge? Yeah, so I had that conversation with a lot of different people, and the answer that everyone kept coming back to was was fans and how they would manage to do that. You know, this one was made for TV and made for no fans, just given the setup and everything down there. I don't know where they would have really been able to construct stands and things like that. And, you know, the whole big thing is you want to have the lake and the backdrop and, and that behind them. So you'd only be able to do it on one side. So if they do it again, you know, there's still kind of probably going to be very limited fans that are going to be able to be in attendance if they do it. But every, every conversation I had is everybody said, no, this probably won't happen again. Again, just given the fact that these are usually things that are made for, you know, tons of fans at these stadiums and things like that. So you imagine the NHL – We'll maybe try and go somewhere where they can get a better situation with the fans. But I'd love to see it back in Tahoe and see, you know, how they can figure out a way to do it with the fans. I just don't know how that would exactly be yet. Yeah, no, it would be interesting. And, and, and I hope the Knights pay attention. I mean, listen, I know the cost is significant, but it would be great. Yeah. You know, the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, yes, they're here in Vegas, but uh, they are Nevada's NHL team. And so to maybe get, uh, whether it's an exhibition game or something up there in Reno where you could do it outside um, near Tahoe, in Reno somewhere, just picturesque, I think would be great for the team as far as developing fans in the north part of the state. Speaking of the Knights, okay, so they split with the Avs, right? And and, and it was everything we thought it would be with these hockey teams. These two teams um, are, are, are really on a crash course for the playoffs if things continue to go the way they do. The Knights, of course, won last night three to nothing. And I got to tell you, I know we talked about the last time you were on with me, Jesse, but Mark Andre Fleury continues to play really, really well. Uh, and so I'm wondering, you know, if, if you're Peter DeBoer, you're not going to go away from that hot hand. I mean, yes, he's got to have a break. Uh, you can't play goalies continually without stopping. Uh, but it's going to be hard for them to take him out of net, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're Pete DeBoer, I don't know how the heck you sit that guy down when Leonard comes back. And that's no knock on Leonard. That's just the simple fact of how great Marc-Andre Fleury has played. He's been unbelievable, one of the best goalies so far this year. So it's hard to stop it. I mean, and even if you're not a hockey fan, it's easy to tell how unbelievable this guy has been because he's back there breakdancing, spinning around, making these crazy saves all the time. I mean, he's got a 942 save percentage, which is good for third in the NHL right now. You know, in uh, you know the way that these guys are playing, he's given up one and a half goals a game. You pair that with the team last night shuffled up their lineup a bit, 
and they were really getting a lot of great chances and things like that. So, I mean, if you've got a guy like Flurry who's going to be standing on his head back there and keeping the team in it against a team like the Avs, who've only been shut out twice, and both of those times it was by Marc-Andre Fleury this year. So he's got the number one of the best teams in the league. I don't know about you, but that's the guy that I want to go into battle with, no matter how good Leonard has played you know, over the course of his career. He's got a slow start. But you've got a guy like Fleury that's hot. You've got to ride the hot hand, man. You can't mess with that. No doubt. And and I love the rivalry that's being kind of forged between these two. We saw it with the Sharks in the past, obviously, with the with the Golden Knights in the playoffs. Now you're starting to feel that kind of energy and that, that genuine on-the-ice dislike for one another. We saw it even late last yeah. night with uh, Ryan Reeves, my man, uh, out there, who, who's, who's the one guy I think could be a Raider, by the way, if he was a little bigger. Um, uh, but you saw that, too. And I think that this is going to be great. I think the developing of these 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 rivalries between teams that are that are on these crash courses for the playoffs are going to be good. And you start to look at what the Knights are doing and, and how they're able to switch up their styles of play. Um, you know, you don't expect the Knights. I mean, listen, everybody goes through doldrums and you expect the Knights to go through that too right now. But they're playing pretty well. Even in the losses, they've played pretty well. And and I don't see that stopping any anytime soon. Are you seeing anything that you think the Knights need to address now before it gets a little bit later in the shortened season? Uh, not not necessarily. I mean, every now and then they get on little scoring droughts, and we saw it, um, you know, last year in the bubble, you know, generating chances, but those chances not turning into goals. But, you know, for the most part, they've been able to overcome that so far this year. You know, they've scored a amount of goals. It hasn't been like they've been struggling to score. Um, you know, they've done it against some good teams, whether it's the Avs or the Blues, you know, and obviously the lesser teams that they played in the Kings and the Coyotes and the Ducks. So, you know, I'm not too worried about them putting up the scoring. I think the way that DeBoer shuffled up the lineup last night, you got to see their team speed really kind of come alive, yeah. and that's saying a lot against a team like the Avs, and, and they were getting a lot of really great looks. The new quote-unquote top line, whatever the heck it's going to be if you make some more changes, but with uh, Tuck and Stevenson and Stone, that's a really interesting one because you've got a playmaker in Stone, and you've got two speed demons on the side of him with Alex Tuck and, uh, and uh, Stevenson. So I, I don't know how much you necessarily – we need to see them change. I think it's more of just keep this up and, you know, keep playing flurry because it's worked for them thus far. And, again, you know, they're top in the division. So, again, you go back to that, if it ain't broke, don't really fix it, that type of thing. Yeah, no, I'm having fun watching them. Jesse Merrick from News 3 Las Vegas is our guest. And Jesse, let's switch over to the Raiders. Obviously, we're a couple weeks away from the league new year, uh, and there's lots of chatter, of course, because this time of the year uh, when there's vacuums to fill uh, with, with, with information, uh, those of us in the business do it. We start talking and speculating. But the Raiders, there's no doubt that they are going to be looking for free agents to help bolster the defensive side of the ball. I've talked about it numerous times that as much as the Raiders need to draft young players because you need to have young talent come in that you can develop. And by the way, it helps from a cost perspective because there's nothing more valuable in the NFL than a rookie deal. Uh, but we, but I've also said that you need some veterans on that defense. When you look at the players that are out there and some that we don't know yet uh, are going to hit the street because of cap casualties, uh, what would be your priority? If you're Mike Mayock, what are you looking Are you looking defensive tackle first? Are you looking defensive end first? Are you looking for safety first? Where would you go? If I'm Mayock, I'm going safety because, uh, you know, again, if I'm going to keep this GM hat on, I'm going after a D-tackle at that 17 pick. And I've, I've said it, I can't remember if I've said it with you guys or with Vinny, but, uh, you know, I've noted that Christian Barmore, I think, has to be the guy. You know, it's not a very deep draft in terms of interior defensive linemen, so I'm going after him. And so if I'm doing that, again, if he's available, but if I go into the draft open for that, I'm looking at safety. And I see 
all the different names of the guys that are out there at safety. You know, we see Justin Simmons, Marcus May, Anthony Harris, Marcus Williams, if he ends up being available or if he's even a good fit, you never really quite know. But uh, I, and it sounds like the Broncos are probably going to tag Justin Simmons, Marcus May. I mean, you really think the Jets are going to let that guy and um, blanking on his name, but, dude, they traded to the Seahawks. They're going to let him walk as well and lose both of those guys at back-to-back years. I don't know if that's going to happen. So maybe you look at a guy like Anthony Harris, who had an all-pro caliber type of season in 2019, and try and go after him. But regardless, I think you have to lock down that safety spot and then go into the draft and try and get yourself an interior rusher. Yeah, no doubt about that, and 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 I think that there's going to be. Yeah, I, I've been cautioning people, Jesse, that the, because of the Raiders' cap situation, it's not dire; it's manageable. Uh, but they're not going to be able to go out and sign three big, big names. They're going to have to. I mean, they might sign one big name, maybe two if they get lucky, depending on what they free up on the cap. Uh, but you just have to go get workhorses that are good players that are going to help you do that. Because this defense, again, for where they're at to where they need to be is not as big. You don't have to go from, you know, 30th to 1st in the league. What you need to do is just kind of fiddle in the middle, be a middle-of-the-road defense with the way the Raiders' offense has been. Uh, To me, that's what they need to do. So I think managing it and making sure you get some guys that come in that you can rotate around that are going to help create that push up the middle. You get more out of Corey Littleton, which I believe is going to happen 100%. I think last year was an aberration for him. Uh, And then you have Nick Kwiatkowski and whoever you add in the draft. I I think this defense isn't as far as people believe it is from being pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the cupboard isn't bare. There's plenty of talent. It's young, inexperienced talent that, look, again, I don't want to make excuses for them, but it was a COVID year. They had injuries and COVID issues. Guys were in and out of the lineup, and I don't want to put it all on Gunther, but we've heard the things that we've heard about Gunther, about you know too much being thrown at these guys and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, they are NFL players. They should know what they're doing. They should know how to play a cover three or a cover two. Whatever the heck it is, they should know those base defenses. But I think bringing Bradley in is going to solidify things a bit. He's going to come in, tell him exactly what he expects of him, and it's a reset for all those guys. And like you said, you know, a guy like Littleton, he's not just going to forget how to play football. I mean, I think that was kind of a – a one-off, a weird deal, comes to a new team in a weird offseason, can't quite figure it out. So I think he's the guy that gets it and starts to figure it out. And you bring in a couple of those pieces, and you figure out that pass rush and, and just get the defense to a serviceable point. And this is a playoff team. There's no doubt about it because of how good the offense is. If you guys solve that problem, then this is a totally different look of a team. You just you can't have a defense that's one of the worst in the league. Otherwise, you're fighting an uphill battle every week. Yeah, no doubt about it. As always, Jesse Merrick with Nuggets of Wisdom. Jesse, hey, listen, man, I want to thank you uh, for joining me on the show all these weeks and for being a part of it. I appreciate you, and I know uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon, and we'll be doing some work together, I'm sure. 100%, man. I really appreciate you and the work you did. Raider Nation is lucky to have you, and uh, you know, wish you all the best for sure. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. All right. Jesse Merrick, News 3, Las Vegas, has been our guest. Uh, Jesse's one of those good guys out there in the sports media, and I know for those of you not in Las Vegas, you don't necessarily get to watch him, but just follow him on Twitter, Jesse News 3 LV, and you can go to the website and watch some of the videos. Him and Brian over there uh, do great work, uh, and Amber, too. Amber Dixon is on the team there as well. They all do great work on News 3. We're very fortunate here in Las Vegas that we have uh, some really good folks. They understand our sports, too. It's not just talking heads. They, they know what they're up to. All right, we're going to go on the phone lines one more time before we ha- head to a break. It's our man H in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the land of enchantment. What's going on, H? Hey, good to talk to you, Scott. Hey, man, I couldn't miss the opportunity to wish you well and your family. I'm praying for you, and I know that you're going to pull through just fine. 
And uh, but I'll at the same time, I'm really going to miss you on the radio. Thank oh, you man. for well, uh, being a gr- being a great gracious host. Well, I I appreciate that very much, and you know that that's the great thing about Raider Nation Radio. We have all kinds of different shows, different types of hosts, and so I always I have my style, and and I, I'm glad, and and I appreciate the the kind words. And I'll tell you what, though, man, without you guys, I mean, we we have such great callers here, and you're one of them, and uh, it that's what's made it so much fun for me. I learn as much from you guys as as we put on the show with guests and all that stuff. So I certainly appreciate your support all throughout it, and, and I look forward to talking to you in other mediums, whether it's podcast or video, on down the line. Absolutely. I got one take for you on the Raiders. Great. Um, most definitely, uh, defense is the priority. However, I think it's imperative that they do not compromise the integrity of the offensive line. Um, I think the offensive line, despite how well they played under the circumstances, can need, still needs um, a considerable amount of improvement. Mm-hmm. Most specifically to me, the run blocking didn't do that well to me all season long. And um, I mentioned this before. I thought Jacobs, um, I think he was among the league leaders in yards after contact. Uh, he had the longest gain of the year was his la- was the last game of the season. He had 28 yards. That was his longest gain. He still eclipsed 1,000 and had like a respectable 3.8, 3.9. Mm-hmm. And all those stats tell me that he really had to fight for those yards, and it wore him down. And I really think that, um, uh, like I said, they did do well under the circumstances, but um, it's imperative that they that they uh, focus on that offensive line as well. We can't go backwards putting too much emphasis on the defense. We definitely need to make sure that we get good, healthy players in there that can strengthen us. And having said that, I think Trent Brown um, – He's got to go. I mean, you've said before he's one of the, among the best when he's playing, but not just last year, but the year before. He's hardly been available, and I just we just can't risk it with him anymore. He's cost too much, and I think somebody like uh, I think that might be available is Trent Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the 49ers are going to have to cut him loose, and I, you know, I like I wouldn't mind seeing him on a one-two year deal to replace Trent Brown. Yeah, and and listen, you're you're dead on. I could not have said it better myself. I and I've been saying that for the last three weeks here on the show, that um, just because your your major work has to be on, done on defense doesn't mean that you don't do anything on offense. And I think the offensive line is absolutely correct. And I think your point about Josh Jacobs is correct too. Uh, you know, he had to earn those yards, and he ran his tail off to get them. But not having Trent Brown there because he wasn't available hurt them in the run game. There's no question. And not having Richie Incognito hurt them as well. And so you have to start thinking about where that line goes from here on out because you not only need uh, better opportunities to run the ball, but you also need to protect your franchise quarterback and Derek Carr. And so uh, I, I think you're right. You have to do it. That's why I think they should use a draft pick on an offensive tackle if they can get one. Uh, and to me, that that is par- imperative that they do that because you don't want to go, to your point, you don't want to go backwards on offense. They have a very good offense. It, it will get better as well as, as young players mature, as uh, Hunter Renfro, our man here on the show, as he gets better and gets more experience, as Henry Ruggs gets better and whoever they decide to sign at wide receiver to go on the other side as well. If it's Brian Edwards who steps up, great. But you're right, that offensive line. And I keep saying it, you saw it in the Super Bowl. To win a Super Bowl, what do you have to have? Dominant offensive line, dominant defensive line, and a quarterback. And so you can't forget about those three parts of the roster. And I know the defense is going to get a lot of attention, as it should, but you're right. You have to be able to do that uh, on the offensive line. H, thanks again, man, for the call. appreciate your support and look forward to talking on down, on down the line. Take care, brother.
All right, man, you too. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to the phone line, 702-365-9200. Do you agree with H and I that the Raiders need to think about drafting an offensive tackle or at least going out and getting some more offensive uh, linemen to make sure that they have the depth they need to protect Derek Carr, to give nice big holes for Josh Jacobs to run through? Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why we shouldn't do that if you're the Raiders. Exactly. So come on. 702-365-9200 is the number. This is Scott Colbranson live from the Raiders headquarters on Silver and Black Today on Raider Nation Radio. From Stabler to Plunkett and Allen to Jacobs, we've got your Raiders covered on Silver and Black Today. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Q Myers. Welcome back. Scott Goldbranson live from the Las Vegas Raiders Worldwide Headquarters in Henderson, Nevada on Raider Nation Radio, powered by our good friends Sam and Ash, the injury attorneys, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. You can get in on the conversation, 702-365-9200 is the Raider Nation Radio listener hotline. And on that hotline, I now go out to our good man, Jerome. Jerome, you're on with Scott here on Silver and Black today. What's going on, Jerome? Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, uh... I got something on car here that we need to trade him like before before the season or as soon as we can because right now we have first round draft pick for him. If we wait to next year or whatever, we'll be lucky to get a third rounder. Well, Jerome, here's my question for you: Who's he going to who's going to replace him? Well, we have Mark Chimarez, the resign, and just about a bit, half a dozen other quarterbacks now that are being uh, a free agent. We probably get one of them cheaper to call and. Well, I know I know they've had um, they've had offers for Derek Carr, but they've said no. So it looks like um, and and Jerome, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you very much. Um, It looks like that that's not going to happen, that they they're not interested in in trading Derek Carr. And I can understand why top 10 quarterback. They seem they seem to be committed to Derek Carr. And and I think that anybody and, and I respect that you would like to see maybe that they go a different direction. I just don't see that happening, uh, and I think there's good reason it's not happening because uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, you, know, you talk about Marcus Mariota, and he came in, he played nicely in the one game, and he's a great guy, and he was given an opportunity here in Las Vegas. Uh, but, but again, you're, you're talking about going back to a player who's had some issues and injuries and uh, trading away a guy, and, and I, just don't, I just don't see it happening. I just don't, don't think that that would be prudent at this time unless you're going to get a quarterback that is far superior to Derek Carr, which uh, with all due respect to Marcus Mariota, I don't think that's the case at this point in their career. So uh, we'll have to see. But, Jerome, I appreciate your call as always, and we thank you for listening, and we'll see what happens. Maybe you're right. Maybe they do. Uh, I don't think so, but maybe maybe things change. You, <laughs> you never know what's going on. We're, we're hearing that one-third of the league called Seattle about Russell Wilson, and then they want three number one picks. So if Russell Wilson brings in three number one picks, and Deshaun Watson is supposed to be about the same plus a player, the last trade rumor we heard was Deshaun Watson to Carolina for three number ones, and or it was two number ones, and um, the running back. You know, So it's like... You, it's 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 going to be a crazy couple of weeks, I'm telling you. But I don't think we'll see a lot happen until uh, the the rosters have to be cut down for the salary cap coming at the beginning of the year, and then free agents start hitting the market and negotiations start going haywire. So we'll have to see. All right, we're going to take a break for the top of the hour. 
When we come back, our special guest, Brian Diardo from CBS Sports is going to be with us. We're going to talk about the AFC West, where the teams sit today, what needs they have, including the Raiders. And then we'll also talk to him about the travesty that is that Cliff Branch is still not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. So we're going to talk to Brian Diardo, who's written about that as well. You're with Scott here on Silver and Black Today on Raider Nation Radio. (laughs) 